the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome. Just about five minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. as we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. Keeping you company Monday through Friday at this time, as we typically do, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. The average pastor is vastly underestimating what they'll need for retirement. Many, sadly, don't even know it. This according to a new survey of 1,000 people that found fully two-thirds think they've saved enough to retire and live comfortably, at least if they remain frugal. And three-quarters feel sure they'll be financially secure. This, a new report in Barron's. But will they? We dig deeper to this topic as we're joined now by Reverend Augie Bao. Augie is a representative with MMBB. It is a retirement benefits organization that has helped pastors across America for more than a century plan for their financial future. And Augie, is always great to have you with us. Well, thanks for having me. I always enjoy talking to you, Craig. You do a wonderful job. I guess, Augie, this, this sense of really being more secure than we actually are, while it is uh, rampant amongst pastors, is kind of indicative of the way a lot of people perhaps think. They consider what they'll receive from Social Security, a little bit of savings, and figure somehow they're going to manage to get along. But the surprises, of course, that are coming in, underestimating the amount of expenditures at retirement, not recognizing just what a significant portion of retirement dollars, things like health care, can gobble up, all of these really kind of conspire then against pastors who reach the age of retirement and suddenly find out, guess what? The resources are just not sufficient. You're spot on. I've been with MMBB for 31 years, and it really breaks my heart to see a lot of pastors, God's shepherds, toil faithfully and successfully in churches for decades and sometimes approach retirement with nothing besides Social Security. And I would love to see if MMBB could help the pastors and the churches um, set aside some money towards the pastor's retirement. You know, certainly from a retirement planning perspective, many pastors, they, they, they don't get into ministry and begin immediately thinking about setting money aside for retirement. They trust that God is going to take care of them through the retirement years as much as he has through their full-time ministry years. But that lack of proper calculation as to exactly what it's going to take to live once you retire, that really seems to be, at least at the core of this new report in Barron's, seems to kind of be at the core of one of the big misunderstandings in that is, how do I just go about ascertaining how much money I'll need at retirement? Is there any kind of rule of thumb to calculate what that number looks like? Yeah, a lot of people want to know the magic number. And one rule of thumb is maybe eight times your last salary. So, for example, if a pastor is receiving 50000 a year, ideally they should have 400000 in their retirement account upon retirement. 
And for some people, it's overwhelming. They could be in their 60s and have nothing saved and say, Reverend Augie, there's no way I'm going to get it 400000 But my response is, if you do nothing, you're going to have nothing for retirement. But if you start saving even a few hundred a month, possibly you may have 100000 set up for retirement. And 100000 certainly is a lot more than zero. So MMBV would love to work with churches and pastors to, to, to get them started, regardless of age, even if they've done nothing, which a lot of pastors have, have, have done nothing, we will work with them to at least begin um, to create a retirement account for the pastor. Is there a sense of responsibility on both sides of this equation? You make reference to the fact, even as the survey does, that many pastors have woefully underprepared for their own retirement. But I have to wonder, too, the congregations that these pastors serve, don't we have some degree of responsibility here, too, in making sure that the pastor who has cared for the congregation, loved the congregation, shepherded the congregation, sometimes for years, even decades, that we make certain that we're helping to provide for the pastor's needs once he retires? And if so, what does that look like? Definitely, Craig. I received an MBA from UC Berkeley, and I did my thesis on church administration. I surveyed about 50 senior pastors of various churches in the San Francisco Bay Area. And one of my conclusions is that for most pastors, finances and administration is close to the bottom of their gifted list. You know, most pastors are gifted in terms of preaching, evangelism, and outreach, and finances and money and administration are way, way down on the bottom in terms of their skills and giftedness. And that's where some lay people come in. And we need some of the board members, some of the lay leaders to become advocates for the pastor, even though the pastor may not be aware of or may be less interested in figuring out how to provide for the pastor's retirement. It's up to the lay people to take the lead and to say, we need to take care of our shepherd. We need to take care of our pastor and to reach out to groups like MMBB to, to partner together to, to come up with a viable and decent retirement um, plan for the pastor for down the road. And I think you make a, a very critical point here, Augie, and that is that many pastors, not only is the topic of retirement planning not very high on their priority list, if on that list at all, but there might be some pastors who feel embarrassed by this, thinking that, well, gee, you know, the church is taking care of my needs, they're providing maybe a stipend for a parsonage, if not providing a parsonage, they're paying a salary. I feel hesitant to go back and say, gee, can you help me plan for retirement? And that's really where the lay members of the congregation can step up to the plate in recognizing that this is not just a thing that we can do to help bless the pastor who has fed us, cared for us, but it's also an important part of just basic human kindness and decency to recognize that someday pastor, maybe out of simple health concerns, will reach retirement. And if so, can we be found to have done all that we can to minister to that man in retirement as much as he or she has ministered to us while they were working in the pulpit full time? You're exactly right, Craig. And for most people and most pastors, sometimes um, it's awkward to ask for something for yourself. And even if a pastor recognizes that they don't have an adequate retirement, it's really awkward to ask for something that the church is not granting. And this is where um, I could come in and I could be of help as the expert with MMBB with over 30 years of experience. I could say most churches do provide something for pastors, and here are some options that might fit within the church budget. 
So I could come in as the outside person. Sometimes I set up a lot of Zoom meetings, not just with the pastor, but with some of the key lay people, some of the key finance people, and discuss in a low-key way some of the options that might be affordable and available for the church. So it's not only a valid question to be asking, but also that sense of guidance that MMBB can offer in making sure we're asking the right questions. Critically important. I know at this juncture, some people listening say, gee, you know, I've never really even considered. I know we pay past for a salary, that's clear, but are we caring for his retirement plan and helping him set money aside? And, and if we're not, how do we get started? And then, of course, the big question that's often raised, and that is, can we afford this? For example, what does it cost us as a congregation to bring in a retirement planning expert like yourself in order to even get something established if pastor has no retirement plan in place? So for all the pastors, lay people listening, I'll just spell out the bottom line cost. People can get started with the MMBP retirement for as little as $50 a month. Let me repeat that. They can start signing up their pastor in the MMBP retirement for as little as $50 a month. We do have a more comprehensive plan, which includes not just retirement, but also disability benefits and life insurance benefits, and that cost is 10% of the pastor's monthly salary. And I could spell out all the details about it, and a lot of churches ask, well, how much is it going to cost us? It's going to cost the church zero, which sounds too, to be, too good to be true, but MMBB is blessed in that we've been around since 1911, over a century of service. And we have an endowment of $150 million, which covers our salaries and our overhead. So our services literally are free for churches. It costs nothing for churches to work with MMBB to provide benefits for their pastor. So when you say sort of the starting point of $50 a month, that's not the fee. That's actually what gets set aside in that retirement plan. So the sense of management fees or a brokerage fees, things of this sort, that literally disappears. Exactly. goes directly into a retirement account for the pastor. And technically, it's a 403B retirement account which is just like a 401k. A lot of people at their workplace have 401ks. It's quite similar, except 403Bs are for churches and nonprofits. So it's like a retirement savings account, similar to 401k, similar to an individual retirement account that's designated for the pastor. But get this, MMBB is able to declare distributions in retirement as tax-free housing allowance for pastors. And this is a huge tax advantage that other plans do not offer. Most people, when they retire and take money out from their retirement account, um, they're going to pay taxes on it. That's what the, that's how the system is set up. But pastors in our system, the money goes in before taxes, and it comes out as tax-free housing allowance. So effectively, pastors with MMBB retirement accounts never pay taxes on their MMBB retirement if they spend it on housing, which they probably will if they stay in the San Francisco Bay Area. That is significant, and I'd like to unpack that a little bit more after a brief time out. And for the benefit of listeners, I hope you're capturing what Reverend Augie Bao with MMBB is saying, and that is that not only is the service to establish a retirement plan for pastor, manage and guide that plan, invest in that plan free, 
where typically, as Augie just alluded to, you get tax-deferred savings through an IRA or a traditional 401k. In this case, there's a special arrangement with the IRS where even the normal taxes that would come out through the so-called required minimum distribution amounts that typically right now is at the age of 72, although that's about to change, I understand, that that, too, is taken off the table. You're talking about a significant ability to increase the amount of money, therefore, that goes directly toward meeting pastors' needs once he retires. If you've just joined us, Reverend Augie Bow with MMBB, Retirement Benefits Consultant, serving the greater San Francisco Bay Area and the western region of the United States. And listen, the telephone call, the meeting, the consultation, the advice, all of it is without cost or obligation, period, always and forever. So it takes nothing to pick up the phone and say, Augie, I want to find out more. We want to take a good look at where we're at with pastor's needs to make sure we're doing everything as a congregation we can to assist pastor in preparing for his one-day eventual retirement. To set up that consultation, simply call Augie direct at area code 917-209-9911. That's 917-209-9911. 9911, or you can go online to mmbb.org. That's mmbb.org. Get more information. Easily set up an appointment online. As Augie mentioned, he can do the appointment uh, remotely via Zoom or would be happy to meet with you and members of the congregation or the board directly and in person. We're visiting today with Reverend Augie Bow, an MMBB Retirement Planning Benefits Consultant. Again, information online at mmbb.org or call him today. Find out more at area code 917-209-9911. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Lifeline. We're visiting today with Reverend Augie Bow. Augie, for more than three decades, has been with MMBB. It's a retirement planning benefits organization strictly assisting churches and pastors and staff members of churches with their retirement planning. And Augie, just before the break, you mentioned something that in my mind can be a significant game changer for pastors. And that is that in the traditional way of retirement savings through either a company-sponsored 401k or a personal retirement account, an IRA, that the money is set aside, it goes in without taxation, it grows tax-free, but then you reach a point where the IRS says, okay, we want to start getting exposure of that money for income tax purposes. And so you have to start taking what's called a required minimum distribution every year. And there's a timetable that's established by the government based on age, how soon you start to withdraw, the amount of money that you have in that account. The notion being that over a certain actuary table, all of that money is drawn and exposed to taxes. So the IRS gets its share. That's the way it works for all of us. But there's a special exception through MMBB that, as I say, I think, Augie, can be a significant game changer for pastors. Tell us more about this. MMBB has a private letter ruling from the IRS dating back to 1980, which allows MMBB to declare distributions in retirement as tax-free housing allowance for pastors. Basically, pastors receive money in retirement as tax-free housing. And for most people, when you add up the federal, state, and local taxes, that's about 30% of your money, which goes back to Uncle Sam. 
So unless you're one of the rare people who think the government should be taxing us more, that we're not paying enough in taxes, this is one way that pastors can keep more of their hard-earned retirement dollars, in fact, all of their hard-earned retirement dollars, with MMBB. And several years ago, I worked with a pastor who had about 300000 in his retirement account. He talked to me one month before he retired, and you have to do this before you retire. He rolled over his 300000 from his secular account to MMBB, and now he receives all of his payments as tax-free housing allowance. And... Um, because he only had about 300000 he ended up moving to Oregon, where housing prices is a lot cheaper. But um, he raised about me because I've been able to save him about 30% of the money that he receives in retirement that normally goes to taxes. Now he gets all of it as tax-free housing. Not only is that a significant amount of money, but especially for those pastors that maybe got a little bit of a late start in retirement planning or because of uh, financial limitations have not been able to aggressively contribute to a retirement plan. This can, as I said before, be a significant game changer. And, and by the way, for the benefit of listeners, this is just one of the key benefits of working with MMBB. And again, I want to share some contact information for Reverend Augie Bao, who's been with MMBB and represents the West Coast and based here out of the San Francisco Bay Area. You can call Augie with questions, set up a complimentary consultation at area code 917-209-9911. That's 917-209-9911. You can also reach to him through the website, mmbb.org. That's mmbb.org. And Augie, in addition to this significant savings for pastors by being able to uh, eliminate the need to pay required distribution taxes upon retirement, there's other advantages to working with MMBB, and, and one that you alluded to prior to the break, and that is the notion where in a traditional advisor relationship, there are often commissions or broker's fees or uh, a required minimum fee, usually based on a percentage of the assets under management. That's typically how folks pay for for financial advisory and retirement planning services. But when it comes to pastors or church employees working with MMBB, there's a significant difference there, too. Exactly. And we've been blessed with a large endowment fund. John D. Rockefeller gave us $7 million in the 1920s. And today, our endowment fund is over $150 million. And as a result, our services are free for churches and pastors. Let me repeat that. Our services are free for pastors and churches. And beyond the free, we do some additional items. Um, a lot of companies, a lot of funds, they take your money, they invest your money, and they distribute the money, which is certainly what we do. But we see it as more than just um, holding on to retirement funds for pastors. We offer comprehensive financial planning for all of our members. Just this week, I talked to two prospective pastors who have decided to um, enroll in MMBB. One of them is a young pastor. So I had a Zoom call with him and his wife. Um, we talked about various items, including adequate life insurance for the two of them, to start planning for college funding for their two kids. So someone who's younger, we would look at items as taking care of a family, life insurance protection, college funding for children growing up, and items like that. And I had a separate conversation with an older pastor who had some retirement elsewhere, who's planning to roll it over to MMBB to take advantage of the tax savings in retirement. 
he has a spouse who's working outside the home, and she has a retirement plan. So MMBB is able to look at both of their retirement and help them look ahead in the future. And we could crunch the numbers and say, here's what the pastor's going to get from his retirement, what she's going to get from hers, here's what Social Security's going to pay you, and help give some advice in terms of when they can af- afford to retire and how to go about it to to get the most from Social Security and from their retirement account. And having that kind of counsel, that kind of guidance is so critically important. And, and let me explain for the benefit of listeners, Augie, the folks that walk around with CFPs, that's Certified Financial Planner, those are the real smart people. That is a difficult certification to receive. You really need to know your stuff in order to get it. And once you have it, it helps qualify you to really assist people in making smart decisions when it comes to money saving, money earning, money management, money growing, and when you reach retirement, money distribution. And so you have at your fingertips not only some resources to be able to save money and set those funds aside for the benefit of pastor's retirement, but also access to resources that otherwise you'd have to pay pretty significant for. And so toward the end, this is something that every single person listening right now, if you care about your pastor, you ought to inquire are we taking care of pastors' retirement needs? And if we're not, let's call Augie Bow and get something started today. Do it because you love the church. Do it because you love your pastor. Do it because it's the right thing to do. Again, there's absolutely no cost or obligation for a meeting, a consultation, or any of the services that pastors enjoy through MMBB. So to schedule your appointment, two easy ways to do it. You can either go online to mmbb.org. That's M mbb.org or you can call Augie directly. He works here in the San Francisco Bay Area and serves all of the West Coast at area code 917-209-9911. That's 917-209-9911. And I would imagine, Augie, even for a pastor that maybe already established an IRA years ago, looking at rolling those monies into MMBB can present to them a significant cost savings, both now and at retirement. Exactly, Craig. And as I mentioned before, the pastor needs to talk to me before they retire in order to do that. So even somebody close to retirement, they might not be adding much to the retirement account, but they could be saving lots and lots of taxes by talking to me and rolling over those accounts to MNBB to take advantage of the tax savings in retirement. And besides the different items we talked about, the comprehensive financial planning and so on, MNBB offers additional advice on our website and in person on items like clergy housing allowances, comparisons of compensation for pastors. So we're really experts on a lot of topics related to the pastors and the pastor's compensation. It really is the big picture of financial, both in terms of not only setting money aside, growing that money, but also things like life insurance and long-term care insurance, other issues that really go into the totality of preparing for retirement and one's financial future. Again, never a cost or obligation. Get more information. Call 917-209-9911. That's 917 209 
800-242-9911 and talk to Augie Bow directly. You can also easily go online for more information and to take advantage of those resources that Augie mentioned just a moment ago by going to mmbb.org. That's mmbb.org. Augie, we appreciate so much the time today, and I really hope that listeners will take advantage of this opportunity to be a tremendous blessing to their pastor and get them started on a retirement plan. Thanks a lot, Greg, and it's always a pleasure talking to you. Again, more information online, mmbb.org, or call 917-209-9911. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We often hear stories about people that struggle with um, addictions of one sort or another, or in other cases, people that deal with um, depression that uh, is not of their own choosing, particularly in terms of a, a diagnosis of clinical depression where people sometimes, in spite of their best efforts, are fighting a, a, a monster that they just can't quite face and deal with. What does it mean? How do you address that? I think that uh, while we've made some great and significant strides in the mental health community in understanding what so-called clinical depression diagnosis is and how to treat it, how to deal with it, for a lot of us in the church, this is still kind of a big curiosity. It's a ministry. Um, Joining me now is a gentleman who had to deal with this in terms of um, his um, ministry partner, being diagnosed with clinical depression that eventually ended up taking his life. He talks about the story in a not-so-typical journey of a Mennonite actor. The book is called Laughter is Sacred Space. Ted Schwartz, great to have you on the show today. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you. Fascinating book and a lot of turns uh, and, I think, ways in which we can learn from your life story. Your um, your beginnings are kind of unique in the sense that uh, you were studying in seminary and uh, had full-on plans to become a, a pastor in the Mennonite community there, part of the, uh, I guess, what, the Pennsylvania Dutch community. Yeah, around that area, a little bit east of uh, what we generally consider to be the, um, the classic Amish Mennonite uh, Pennsylvania Dutch area, a little bit east of that toward Philadelphia. Okay, so that that yeah. uh, general neck yeah. of the woods. And uh, along the way, uh, it sounds like God had different designs than you did. Is it fair to say it that way? I think that's a pretty good way to say it. Yeah, I, I, I think that I, I'm a person who... Um, yeah, like many of us, I think we're confused by some of the directions that our lives seems to be taking, and, and uh, God's hand in that may may not be a very um, very visible at the time being. Makes an awful lot of sense uh, in retrospect. Um, I was supposed to be a, a, a traditional pastor in a pulpit, and uh, fell in love with theater while I was in seminary. And uh, I was an older student, a non traditional student, married with three kids, three kids, and. Uh, and started um, a path uh, toward being an actor and writing writing uh, plays. And uh, I had met a um, another quite talented comedic partner, um, Lee Eshelman, and we began doing comedy together. And then and started working on biblical story and trying to find where the humor was in that story. Not not trying to make fun of something uh, by laying on the laughter on the outside. Um, I like to think of it as finding where the humanity and the humor connect and create. Um, situations of humor out of, out of trying to uh, feel out a character from the inside out. 
How did your your community, Ted, your family, you mentioned it was kind of a, a non-traditional trajectory for you anyway, yeah. insofar as the fact that you were already married and with the family, and I understand that the congregation that was anticipating you to, to eventually uh, become their pastor was covering uh, your expenses and so forth, yeah. and, and, and yeah. you make this, what would from an outsider, it appear to be just 180. How do you go from studying to become a, a traditional Mennonite pastor, very stodgy and serious? You know, as, as I guess some perspectives might be, to suddenly being a comedic actor on a stage, working with a uh, another partner in yeah. interpreting scripture, bringing scripture to life, finding the humor again, not the ha ha, let's make fun of it, a, a poke fun at it rather, yeah. but to see the humanity side, as you say, of it all. It just it seems to be just two absolute opposite ends of the continuum. Well, I think at one level it really does feel that way, and my congregation back home was not very happy with me. Initially. I guess not. Huh? Uh, <laughs> And my wife has been uh, extremely um, patient uh, over the years. As uh, anyone who, who starts their own business then knows that the pieces of, of struggling to uh, to make make ends meet in that direction too. I, I think I've come to the conclusion that it makes an awful lot of sense um, because um, I think theater can be a wonderful metaphor for how we're supposed to function as human beings. Um, uh, to be a good actor means that you're completely present in the moment. Uh, you you have empathy. Uh, you care about another person. That's the only way you can feel like uh, you are connecting to one another on stage. There's a, a great deal of humility and vulnerability that happens when you're an actor on stage. And it makes a lot, a, a lot of sense um, uh, at one level. Uh, and also, um, it's storytelling. And, and story stories remain one of, if not the best way to communicate truth and uh, to grab people's emotions and where their hearts are is to tell stories. Does it make um, it easier to to see other perspectives too? And I ask that question, Ted, because let's face it: when you're when you're an actor, you're you're essentially becoming someone that you're not, and you're yeah, attempting to convince yeah. the audience that you you are this person whom you're not really. Yeah. And when you absolutely. get into that position, does it allow you to see things from a different perspective? Is, is that is that how you maybe yeah. eventually were able to say, no, this full time pastoring thing in a Mennonite church? No, that's not exactly what I'm called to do. <laughs> I, I think that was a great deal of it. I think it's part of why it felt like home to me. I felt like I was finally where I was supposed to be. I think I would have been uh, perhaps a decent pastor, uh, but there's a good chance that I would have been a very frustrated pastor. Uh, theater allowed me to find places where I was able to use the gifts that I think I was given uh, much more fully. Um, and I think you're exactly right. You have to learn how um, to care about another person. Uh, to be able to fully adapt on stage and to be convincing that you're you're someone else, um, theater and acting is a wonderful paradox of pretending to be someone else and being completely wholly who you are. Mm. The best actors are the ones that just open themselves up and let you see what's inside, and and that is why we connect to people that that we feel like are good actors because we can feel them being completely honest. So to uh, be completely. To be, to be convincing to those of us that are on the other side of the stage or the screen, as the case may yeah. be, yeah. Um, you, you have to take on, so to speak, enough of this character and demonstrate enough understanding and, and sympathy, maybe to the point of empathy for who yeah. this person is, maybe the plight that they are facing to, to be thoroughly convincing. And I'm wondering, did, did all of that experience help make it easy for you along the way in trying to make sense out of um, the, the, the horrific challenge that Lee was facing with a diagnosis of clinical depression? 
Well, that's an interesting question. I, I, I think that um, perhaps so. I, I'm not sure uh, an empathetic person will be drawn, I think, to, to, to acting in the arts, uh, but it will also teach you. Uh, I think that's probably the case. It, it, it's, you know, it was a complicated relationship in many ways. We were, we were best friends, um, but we were trying to negotiate this business as well as creatively. And anytime anybody, uh, anyone tries to create something together, be it writing or writing music together, they know that there, there's certain tensions and on, on what, on what that means. And, um, sometimes best friends shouldn't go into business and sometimes they should. For us, it worked really well. Um, the illness notwithstanding, um, you need, you spend an awful lot of time together when you have a traveling company. Uh, sometimes we spend more time with uh, one another than we did our wives. We used to joke about it being uh, our second marriage for each of us. So um, I think that was part of it. I, I didn't know a lot about mental uh, illness in terms of depression and bipolar illness at all before we met Lee. Um, and so it was a very much of a learning process. You. You, you try to have as much empathy as you can for the struggles that they're going through, but sometimes life has to, life has to be lived and, um, everything can't stop around, um, if there's a business to run, there's a family to run, his wife, you know, they're raising a family as well. Um, so yes, that, that's very much the case, uh, that it was helpful. But I think any struggle like that that you go together, there's going to be ups and downs with that. And, um, uh, and, and it sounds like there were in this case. I mean, you're you're sure. watching this happening. You're trying to understand what's happening, and yet at a level. I mean, I, I guess it's it's not as easy as it might seem to be when we say, "Well, just try to get into the other person's head, walk a mile in their shoes." This is <laughs> this is it takes it a little bit further than that, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it there's only so much you can go. Um, uh, I think it was the illness that, that made, um, uh, I wouldn't call it a barrier, but there's some things that it's, it's impossible to know how someone else is feeling when they're, when they're struck with an illness like that. Um, my own depression that I felt, uh, after Lee's death and, and, uh, trying to figure out what was next and, and what did it all mean and the grief that goes along with that. Uh, I remember thinking a couple of times, I said, uh, I, I know what this feels like to, to, to try and function on a daily basis with something that is much worse. Um, I don't know how people do it. Um, that gave me a little bit of insight, but it, 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 I want to be very clear that it was nowhere anywhere close to, to what Lee would have gone through on a regular basis where simply getting out of bed feels like it's the biggest struggle you're going to do it, go through that day. Yeah, I mean, it, we're in a season, for example, this time of year when a lot of folks struggle with varying degrees of depression because... It's for a first major holiday with a loved one who was passed on. Uh, there's there's some sense of loss in life, and uh, all of a sudden the holidays don't seem to mean as much as they used to. And there may be folks listening to our conversation right now saying, you know, uh, Ted, Craig, I'm there right now. Uh, I struggle with getting out of bed in the morning. I'm not quite sure how to get myself motivated. Uh, it's every fiber within my being to get up, get dressed, and go to work and try to put on a happy face when I don't feel like doing any of that. Um, what does all of this mean? How do I address all of it? Um, joining me today in the conversation, Ted Schwartz. Um, Ted, as we mentioned earlier, is a Mennonite actor um, who talks about life after uh, his creative partner, Took his own life. 
following a, a multi-year battle with bipolar illness, uh, that he eventually succumbs to the disease. And uh, how do we deal with varying degrees of, um, be it depression to a, uh, one extreme, uh, to, to outright uh, mental illness on another? We'll get back to more of our insights today, right after an update on traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Our conversation today is with Mennonite actor Ted Schwartz. The book is called Laughter is Sacred Space, a not-so-typical journey of a Mennonite actor. This journey from studying to become a full-time pastor to discovering the, the arts and then moving in a ministry direction that way, and then the diagnosis that we mentioned earlier of your partner, Lee, struggling with a clinical diagnosis of, of depression to the point of being bipolar. We talked earlier, Lee, about uh, folks being depressed around the holidays, and that certainly can be a challenge. But Lee's, uh, Lee's disease went much deeper than that, didn't it? Yes, it did. It was, it was the kind that, um, well, I described it at one time, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the constant companion, it's the monster that hides not just under the bed, but around every corner. It's, it's part, of, uh, part of every day. It's part of, um, it's, I, I call it sometimes the demon that sits on the shoulder and whispers in your ear. Mm. Um, it, it, it's hard to um, it's hard to really articulate some of the issues that, that you seem to to deal with. Medication is an important part of anybody's treatment, medication and therapy. Um, but that can uh, most of those have uh, at least at some level um, medication. I mean, side effects that affect also uh, who you are as a person, and, and it. Uh, it can be frustrating because you don't think you you are who you uh, are at the core of your being. Um, for some, it, it becomes um, uh, a spiritual dilemma, and um, I really don't think it, it, it should be. Um, people cast themselves in in, in, in in being distanced from God because they have this particular illness, and, and I think it's a uh, it's a horrific. Um, I'm not sure I'd call it a mistake, a misnomer about about what it is. How um, how did you f- discover? How did you first find out about Lee's passing? Well, it, in, in many in many cases, apparently, uh, in young men in their early uh, early to mid twenties, it can it can uh, surface. Um, so I met Lee when he was twenty three, and uh, so there were certain, certain hints of it before that. And uh, I was in full time school, uh, in uh, finishing college, and then going into seminary. So I had a certain amount of of um, life that I was doing there with a family of three boys, um, uh, very young, four, four, two, and six months when I started school. Uh, so I and my wife were, were really engrossed in that. So it wasn't until Lee and I began uh, to do a bit more work together and started seeing each other as, as, as friends and friends of the family. He was still single at the time. So it was within two years that it started to surface. And um, um, I mean, everybody has points where they're despondent. Um, but they usually see that there's, uh, oftentimes we can see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and we, we help, we talk to people, we, we talk to pastors or we talk to friends, we talk to counselors, you get professional help and you can find your way through it. Uh, for me, it just seemed to be uh, uh, something that, that with Yo-Yo, the manic, manic parts were, were exhilarating and scary at the same time because he was tremendously creative. Uh, he, was a, he was a visual artist and he was a, a wonderful actor at the same time. So he'd be wonderfully creative at those times. Um, I think uh, a 20 to 30 year uh, struggle with this um, can wear you down. Um, so where that 
the highs are no longer very high, uh, but the lows continue to be low. Um, uh, that's what I, I felt like I've experienced with Lee. And, um, it, 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 at the point where he, he had taken his life, it didn't feel like it was too, in, in my mind, tremendously different than any other events over the, the previous 10 to 15 years. Um, and you know we often hear that that yeah. we look at these the circumstances immediately surrounding a person's decision to take their own life, yeah. and you say, well, you know, the day before, the day yeah. of, they I saw them that morning. They seemed to be quite normal. Yeah. yeah, a couple of things had happened the day before that might have added a bit to the stress, but didn't seem That's to be right. anything over the the top, anything extraordinary. But you mentioned yeah. something, uh, and uh, maybe it was just in, in quick passing, but I think profound observation, Ted, and that is the idea that this tends to wear you down after a time, that this is not a single event, but layer upon layer upon layer. Am I right? Exactly. Exactly. We we had attended a concert the night before, uh, about two hours away, with another mutual friend. I had a wonderful time. Three, it was guys' night out. We we had a, a great time. And then the next that morning, uh, we set up for a show. We were to do two performances locally, Friday and Saturday night. And we set up on Thursday morning. Um, so all of those things seemed very familiar. Um, there was, I, I knew he was agitated, or, or I should say, he was he was uh, anxious. Um, that that didn't seem to be anything tremendously different, and um, you know, in 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 almost twenty years on the road, we missed um, one show for a snowstorm, and um, a second half of a show because I fell and, and uh, con- contuded my arm uh, on the edge of the stage. But in twenty years, that's the only shows we've ever missed. So it never entered my mind that we would miss a show mm. um, for this particular reason. Let's pause on that point. We're going to come back to more of our conversation. Uh, With us today is actor Ted Schwartz. A look at his book, Laughter is Sacred Space. I'm Craig Roberts, back with more as Lifeline continues.